Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's get to it. David Basil, Peter Burns of the SEC Network, ladies and gentlemen, here at the Little Rock Touchdown the Club. The shooter. The shooter. Pat, Pat's great, yeah. Uh, great. That this is, a, Peter, your first time to Little Rock. First time to Little Rock, yeah. And um, first of all, a, a huge round of applause for David here because I'm. this event has become such a huge thing. And last night, last night we're at dinner, and he's going over some of the stuff in his, you know, quote-unquote show prep. I learned like 15 things about myself I didn't even know that was there. He's like, so, all right, 1986, third grade. I'm like, it's truly impressive and, and just a badge of honor, too, because in our industry we get a lot of opportunities to, to speak and do different engagements. And this has become kind of like this, like, you know, it's like the Elotion, uh, you know, membership or, you know, or like getting a phone call, like, do you want to go play Augusta? You're like, do I want to speak here? Absolutely. Hey, we're trying to have an event here. If you could just. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Semi-professional. John Gruden. <laughs> hey, that's probably Marty Smith. And I texted Marty and I'm so disappointed in him because, you know, I'm talking to everybody about how great the speakers have been and all these great names. And then they're like, but I got to be honest with you. Marty Smith last week was one of the greatest speakers. And I was like, of course I got to go after damn Marty. I can't, I can't tell you what I texted him, but uh, damn him. Well, damn you, him. You, you have a, a tremendous story we're going to get to in just a second. Uh, but first, I wanted to uh, – let's talk about Hogs and Bama. What did you see? Obviously, you know, you know you, this is what you do for a love, living is cover the SEC. I mentioned the morning show. Obviously, obviously, you do TV and radio nationally and for the SEC Network. So what you're paid to do, talk about what you saw Saturday. I mean, I saw three different games, right? I mean, I saw Alabama just answering the bell right off the bat and getting off that 28-0 start. And then I started thinking about it, going, all right, what happens here? Because that's, that's a true test of a team and, and the camaraderie you have. Are you going to shut it down? Because I've seen a lot of really good teams just say, all right, today's just not our day, whatever, they're going to pack it in. Especially, you know, with a younger generation, sometimes you feel like they're like, all right, just not going to be our day. And so to see that comeback, and that you know that was Act Two of it, and to see that crowd in Fayetteville, I'm like, this is what my God, you know, you know, our blood started pumping. And the reason why so much, you know, college football now is on prime time is because that passion. As much as NFL runs the ratings, it was it was that type atmosphere that changed it. And then it's just Bama being Bama, you know. And I mean, there's no other way to you know uh, describe it. I, I'm married to a diehard Alabama fan. And I tell her, it's got to be boring as hell. <laughs> we call them laundry games in our household because my wife will literally, about the second quarter for most games, she'll start doing laundry or chores around the house. I'm like, this is not fun. <laughs> like, it becomes a pass or fail every day. I was like, I live and breathe. I'm an LSU fan. Right. Like, we have drama. Like, right. it is a Game of Thrones yeah. episode every <laughs> single day. You don't know who's going to die at the end. You don't know who's going to live. But it's like you got to figure out what's going on. It's like That's bath right. salts. Right. So I know that uh, you even said it today. I was listening to you on, on the show that when Sam Pittman was originally hired, you know, those of you at the SEC Network sort of scratching your head thinking, hmm, that's interesting angle uh, for a 100-year check to go. And obviously it turned out to be the right decision. Yeah, and I think, you know, we see that with Lance Leipold and the job that he's doing at Kansas right now is that we get we grow accustomed to the people that we're familiar with, the brands that we're familiar with. And we didn't know the brand of Sam Pittman unless you really were in the inside, you know, uh, knowledge of college football. And so, but the one thing that I saw, and this highlighted it, um, I was in the College World Series this year following Dave's team, and we do our coverage for SEC Network over there each year. And I get to go up and I say hi to Hunter, and we're sitting there at the game, and Sam Pittman's there. And for those who don't know, I'm adopted. We might get into that a little bit later. 
and I had posted something on, on Father's Day about how my dad's my best friend, and like, this, this is my dad, you know. And we see Sam in the, in, the, um, in, the, in the suite, and he comes up right in the middle of the game. And I think Arkansas was at the bat like fifth inning. He comes up, and he pulls me over to the side. I'm like, oh, my God, what have I said? Like, Sam's getting ready to rip me, right? And Sam goes, I just want to let you know, that post about you and your dad, like, I teared up. I mean, it was just this, this eye contact and this genuine authenticity that you realize, man, if you have, if you're a recruit, um, yeah. If you're a recruit at any point, you got an opportunity to sit down with Sam Pittman and they're in your living room and you have that conversation, it ain't football, it's life. And, and that's the difference that we see what Pittman has brought here. Of, of you, t you, you speak to him and you just know that. That's what we want in college sports. There's so many, there's billions of dollars available right now and it's become fake to a certain extent. That's as real as real gets. Okay, so obviously Razorbacks sort of have the backs against the wall. They have to go to a Tough environment at Starfield. Uh, obviously, big win over at a and Then you go on the road against, it right now, a top 16 BYU team. What do, you, what do you think, what do you sort of project for the rest of the season with this Razorback team? Obviously, you don't know what's happening with KJ, but so what's your thoughts on the rest of the season? I, I think beforehand, we all thought that this was going to be about a 9-3 and three team. And I'm not quite sure if anything, especially even what I saw yesterday, changes that outside of KJ's health. Because did I see a team that quit? No. Do I see a team that still has a lot of talent on there? Absolutely. What I don't see on this team right now is a vertical threat. You had that with, with Burks last year and to where you just threw the ball and it was 50-50 shot. On 50-50 balls, it was like 95%. Um, and I kind of wonder where that, that comes from. And I, that's the one thing I want to see, especially when you're going up against Mississippi State, because I think they are susceptible to, to a little bit of the deep ball. I don't know much about BYU right now. but. What you have to do and what traditionally kills teams after they play Bama is turning one loss into two or three. And I think that we're going to know what this Razorbacks team is made of out of the next two weeks of going into the, what, uh, you know, the second half of the season. You also commented about <clears throat> last night we were having dinner, not just the, the football program, but what a great job Hunter Juracek has been with all of our coaches. And obviously you cover all sports. I mean, you're a big golfer, but you got some baseball, you know, but, but just the – Courtney Dyfel. Yeah. I, I mean, I, that's, that's, you know, I mean, the whole thing is that, you know, you know, Florida for the longest time, Scott Strickland is a good friend, athletic director, and they would talk about, oh, well, how many championships we won. And I remember a couple of weeks ago, Hunter coming out here and goes, by the way, we've got 18 national championships. Nobody's even close. And it's Dave Van Horn, the leadership that he does and the success they have. Courtney Dyfel to take that program of where it was at softball. I mean, they were getting run ruled every single game, and all of a sudden they become a contender. Now you see what Muss has done. Mike Davis, I mean, Maria Fossey with, with Arkansas women's golf. I mean, these are some great stories, and I don't know of anybody who has a healthier athletic department than right now up in Fayetteville. Uh, yeah, I think that's, I would agree a thousand percent. Uh, back to the mustache, Pat. Uh, Matt, let's, let's look. So, so. I remember being out in the SEC media days, and uh, I was like, wow, you were really throwing it out there, serious look. But you know what? It it reminds me to where if, you know, I'm, I'm older than you, but there was a time you and I could probably run together to where, look at there, how about that? Huh? You reckon those two guys could be a team together? I don't know. You don't have to We make... wouldn't be allowed within 500 yards of an elementary school. <laughs> You know, and that's the reason why I did it, because I, they don't allow me to go in the carpool lane anywhere yes. when I'm picking up the kids. I'm like, I'm sorry, There's, I'm just not allowed. <laughs> um, uh, I've had a chance to do the show with you and Chris. You guys do a great show uh, great show every morning. Chris, uh, Chris Doring, by the way, is uh, matter of fact, Matt, if you want to put that up there, one of the all-time great receivers for the University of Florida. It looks like he could almost play, 
you know, linebacker. That's the first time I've seen Chris in the last couple months without a shirt. <laughs> he's 46, or I think he's 49 years old. He looks like one of those, like, HGH commercials. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's, he's always built. And uh, you guys have fun together. I, I noticed some of these shots. Uh, there you go. <laughs> and the next one there to where, you know, listen, you <laughs> I mean, you, you don't mind having fun uh, with Chris and because uh, he's, he's a good sport. One of the things that I really enjoyed looking at was, you know, you're a big LSU guy. He's a Florida guy. Is the bets that you have. Oh, so yeah. three years ago. So let's look at they, they made a bet. The first one, whoever lost has to get dressed up. That was the first year for Chris Doring. Uh, obviously, Florida lost. Let's look at the next one. Tiger King. Tiger yeah. King. And then uh, let's play the video from uh, this. I guess it was last year, the last year, if you got that, Matt. Um, here we go. And sure enough. Here's what we decided to do over on uh, on Friday. Take it away. Last uh, three seasons, we've had a friendly LSU Florida wager. I had to wrap year one before we we're on television, but the last two years it's been on TV. And so this year's wager is has officially been decided. LSU Florida, the loser of this game. Oh, we got to do the hat too. I think it comes with the green oh, hat, the, the leader hose and stuff like that. Yeah. Are we gonna have to sing? Actually, why am I talking myself into what are you this? Doing? I don't know. Um, You're trying to add oh, come on yes. now. Not cool. Can we just do that? Can we just post this picture of for the entire show no. on Monday that I'm gonna have to dress up like that? You gotta do it. Congratulations for the floor to the Florida Gators for finally winning this game. You're, you're trying to tap out now. You already tapped out on the frosted hair portion of the bag. <laughs> you would actually like that. <laughs> Oh, I am so excited. I couldn't even get to sleep last night. It was like the night before Christmas. It's about to happen. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, in fact, let me go ahead and get my phone set up for you because I want to make sure that I'm uh, getting this in all of its uh, perfection. My co-host, Christopher Dusseldoring, joining me right now on SEC this morning. Um, Chris, could you give me a little uh, yodeling? <laughs> Uh, no, 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 no. Get in front of the camera. He does not let him off the hook. Yes, I know it won't fit. Go ahead and give me a little dance. Give me a little yodel. Go ahead. Okay, even more. <laughs> that brutal. I mean, oh, my gosh. I mean, you I mean, you make you make sure they, they deliver on the bets. Now, what, what people don't know about this is I actually ordered that to fit me. Because if you remember going in in the last couple of years, Florida has been a pretty sizable favorite to to LSU. So I just I was like, listen, I'm going to have to dress this up. I'll I'll get the medium cuz it'll probably fit me. And sure enough, he had to go he had to go fit in it. And I think he likes that cuz he likes to show the tight, you know, the tight shirt yes. and the muscles. But. Yes. Well, this uh and then I just sat to see recently I know that you have a neighbor who's an Auburn fan. And uh, so, obviously, this is he buys a seven-foot inflatable while the neighbor is having a baby in the hospital, right? That was the best part about it is, you know, so my neighbor a couple years ago, uh, he moves in. He says he's an Auburn fan, and we wake up after the LSU-Auburn. That was the game, remember, Bo Nix went in, off. He was incredible. And so I show up the next morning, and there's Aubie the Tiger on my front porch. I'm like, the hell is this thing? So sure enough, I said, all right, well, you know, fair, you know, fair play here. So I, I put the inflatable up. I, I, you know, text my wife the picture, and she goes, oh, my gosh, you got to go take it down. I go, why am I taking it down? They're, they're literally at the hospital right now having a baby. And when they come home, the first thing the baby's going to see in an Auburn household is Mike the Tiger. I'm like, hell yes. Hell yes. Uh, we also showed, uh, Sully, a part of the introduction showed uh, you jumping up, and that was from the LSU-Florida State game this year, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, we don't have the – I mean, that, so, that so, game ended when LSU well, went, say, right? Show, show, the, show the jump one more time, Matt. Of, uh, 
So that, so, but then all of a sudden, then about a few minutes later, let's show the picture somebody got with you in the studio. Obviously, <laughs> after LSU loses to Florida State, that was obviously, uh, but that's what you do in the studio. People don't know that that kind of stuff happens. I'm not a broadcaster. I'm a fan that's living like this, like incredible, like pinch me dream. So, you know, when everybody seems like we're all like professional and stuff like that, I'm, I'm like an actor trying to play that role because, you know, I, I live, breathe, eat, sleep, all of this. And, you know, to me, I think you have to do that. And people go, well, wait a minute, don't you need to be, um, you know, make sure that you're not pulling for one side or the other? And I was like, actually, the hell with that. I was like, this is what life's about emotions, and this is, this is who I am. And now, I will say this, being an LSU fan, I'm probably harder on LSU than I am on any other school, you know, simply because of the fact of, like, I think that they should be doing this, or I want this the best for teams. And so I think now that we get into, you know, business partners and stuff like that and all types of, you know, sponsorships and stuff, like, who's going to be true to actually what you want to say? Okay, and you guys have had great speakers here that have, <laughs> hell, had some very viral moments because they speak what's from their heart. And um, I remember one of the first days, they're like, you can't be doing that on air. And I was like, well, I'm probably not going to work here a whole lot. <laughs> and um, nine years later, I'm still, um, I'm still fooling them. One of the great things about your start, you know, a lot of people get in this business, they go to school to get in this business. You had a very unique start. I, I don't want to talk about your dad quite yet, but, but, but obviously, uh, I'll just go ahead and tease it, is that, you're driving around working, you know, in the oil and gas business in, you know, in Texas with your dad, listening to the radio, loving music, but they got tired of music, started listening to sports talk radio and tell everybody your story of how, what came together after that. Yeah, I worked in the oil and gas industry and I would fly uh, offshore to, you know, off of home Louisiana and go out to the rigs out there and the platforms and all throughout South Texas. And a lot of times, we, you know, we, uh, you didn't have any more, uh, you know, receptions, but I would get Fox Sports Radio, and I started listening to the show Andrew Siciliano, who's on the Red Zone now for NFL Network, and Tony Bruno, and they had this American Idol type contest, and I was like, this will be awesome. So I sent in some audition tape in 2002. They, you know, they had like a couple of hundred entries, and somehow I actually won the contest. So got a chance to fly out to Los Angeles. Won a contest. You did not have any experience whatsoever. None. Other, other than, like, I would be driving in the middle of, like, Sonora, Texas, and nobody's there, and I would literally be hosting my own radio show in my own mind to stay awake on bad drives. And I'd be like, and uh, so I went out to L.A. I hosted for a day, and I'm like, oh, my God, people do this for a living? This is the coolest thing ever. And so I went, legitimately, I was living in San Antonio, Texas at the time. I went to the local sports station. I said, I will take any job you have. And I'm thinking, you know, I was just on Fox Sports Radio in Los Angeles. I mean, clearly they're going to hire me. And they're like, sure, we'll give you, we'll give you a job. I'm like, this is great. So quit my job, and the first day I show up, they're like, here's a phone book, and here's a cube. No computer or anything like that. Go learn how to sell. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I want to be on air. They're like, we're not going to put you on air. We don't know who you are. So uh, for a year, all I did was smile and dial and try to convince people, hey, you know, you need to be part of a, a radio station, and I sold advertising for the, for the first year of, uh, of getting into the industry. Yeah, that's, you know, Raj, it's like double R. You know, that's uh, Randy Rainwater, same kind of thing. It, it, that's not the way most people get into broadcasting. And I thought there's, you know, there's two or three points in your life that uh, I think is 2007, 2010, 2012, if memory serves me right. Um, if you could just sort of tell some of those watershed moments for you that changed the direction of your life. And uh, sometimes the worst moments turn out to be the best moments. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, so I, I get an opportunity. I'm, I'm selling advertising for the sports station. I'm kind of doing a, a weekend gig. And I, I got married at 22 years old, um, and that always sounds like a good idea, right? So 
that's probably bad idea number one. Bad idea number two is I got married in Las Vegas, okay? Bad idea number three, I got married to a contestant at the Hooters International Bikini Contest. <laughs> oh for three. Oh for three. I, I didn't see that in any of my research. That's really interesting. Wow. Um, and so, and, but here's the deal. Married, you know, at 22, what are you thinking? Um, and was married for five years. Unbelievable woman, fantastic person. Um, and one day when I was in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl and she became the spokesperson for the Hooters Corporation, as weird as that sounds, and uh, she was in Miami and she would host all these events and stuff like that. After five years of marriage, I come home from that Miami Super Bowl and the house is empty. No call, no text, dogs are gone, washing machine gone, TV's ripped off, I check my bank account, everything's gone. I'm like, what in the world just happened? And, uh, and come to find out, I mean, it's just kind of like a midlife crisis that she had had and to kind of tell me about that and, you know, the love of my life. I saw her one time the rest of my life after that. And she was my everything. And so at that point, I was just like, what am I doing? You know, what am I, what am I going to do? And, um, and so I had this motivating factor for me to be like, I need to do something. Like, I, you know, I was kind of living vicariously through all the opportunities she had. And I was like, you know what, I want to be on air. This is my dream. So uh, I used that motivation and kept selling advertising. I went to the local sports station. I said, listen, I know you're running a different show right now, but I will do this show for free if you just give me one or two you know, uh, minutes of inventory that I can sell for advertising. I'll pay for myself. I'll believe in myself. Let me do it. And um, sure enough, they're like, okay, idiot. I mean, if you want to do that and work for free, sure. And I did it. And it gave me a sense of self-worth. It gave me a, a sense of fulfillment and somebody like, all right, I, I can believe in myself. It grew into a weekday show, which grew into a national show, which um, it grew into some great opportunities because of, of what I thought was going to be the worst day of my life turning out to be the best day of my life. Of course, then you, you, you think things are going well and, and the ball. Too well. Too well. Yeah. So he thinks, I have this thing's working out well. And all of a sudden you get called. This was, I think, uh, 2010, I believe. I may be wrong, but you, your, your boss calls you in and says what? Yeah, I'm, um, everything is going well. I'm, I'm young, I'm single, I'm making some good money, and I'm kind of like, I'm doing my dream job, right? And we were literally, it had just been after the game, remember Texas and, Al uh, Texas and Alabama, the year that Greg McElroy won it. Um, and I come back from Los Angeles uh, in the Rose Bowl after a great game, and I, they sit me down after my show, and they're like, we're letting you go. I go, well, why? Like, my sales numbers are great. The number of the show is going great. They're like, honestly, like, your head's gone too big. Like, you just, you don't respect your coworkers, and you, you know, you, you think you're a lot more important than you really are. And I was like, the hell I do, you know, like, right? <laughs> and it took that moment where you lose every single thing, right? So here I was, you know, bouncing back, trying to make something myself after, you know, my wife leaves me. And I believed in myself. I got to that pinnacle, and then, boom, it was gone. And it, it crushed me. And so it was that the greatest thing I ever learned was that you're like, man, like, go be appreciative for every opportunity you have. Smile. Like, you know, that day realized, you know, made me realize about, like, how precious these opportunities are. And now to this day, like, I've got this little clock uh, for my radio uh, studio at the house that says 10,000 on it. And I wrote that about, gosh, 15 years ago now. And it is the idea that, that if I went away and they fired me tomorrow, how many people could replace me? without, I mean, like tomorrow, 10,000 people. And so every time that you have a bad day or something like that, or it's a tough day, or, and I look at it, and I'm like, dude, I, I get to do this for a living. This is the greatest thing. And it, you know, to this day, it still motivates me. Uh, Matt, if you'll put up uh, 
Photo number 34, uh, this is uh, uh, Jessica uh, Gowie. Gowie, yep. And so I want to put her picture up real, real quick, if you could, Matt. So this was the third story that I, I found really amazing about when you decided to go to Denver. And uh, tell the story about Jessica. Yeah, so, you know, after, you know, San Antonio had happened, I said, you know, I just need a fresh start in my life. So I moved out to Denver, and it was, it was, it was great. I was working out there. And then Jessica was a friend from San Antonio, and Jessica wanted to get into sports a lot. And I convinced her. I said, Jesse, come out here. Like, you know, life is about taking chances. You do it. And she hit the ground running. She had an internship with the Avalanche, and she was doing stuff with the Nuggets and everything like that. And, um, you know, but she was tr having trouble in making ends meet. We'd help her out a little bit financially and stuff, but she was still struggling. She had just moved to a new neighborhood. And that night she had texted me and she's like, hey, I want to meet with you tomorrow about something. I said, okay. But she's like, I'm getting ready to go see the Batman movie. And never saw her again. I this has been Aurora, the, Aurora, Colorado. The Aurora, Colorado Batman um, theater shooting. And um, it was, <laughs> sorry. It's just, it's tough because you see how many people sacrifice in their life and what they do and just senseless and just senseless. And after that moment, it was just another one of those moments of like, how do I, you know, in all of us, how do we take life and like live at the edge of our comfort zone? Like, and she did it, you know, she moved halfway across the country and was doing it. She never felt more alive. And then after that point, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to go after every single thing that I ever wanted. Um, and, and I don't think a lot of people do that because I never want to go back and look at my life. And we talk about that with athletes and media people and you guys here today about like, am I going to go back and look like what would have happened if I would have made this decision? And, you know, she actually became a huge motivating factor for, for me to just kind of put fear aside and go after things that I didn't think I was ever qualified for. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a sad story, but an inspirational story. And do you did I read where you always put dream job across the top of your script? Yeah, so we have a we have a rundown for our show that says, all right, we're going to be talking about Arkansas uh, and Alabama, and then we'll go into a press conference sound. And, and what I do on the top of each one of my scripts is I write dream job. And it's just kind of like I have ten thousand. It's like how do I have that daily reminder of what I learned from Jesse? And what I learned from the day that I came home to an empty house or what I learned when, you know, uh, you know, I did not take everything and appreciate it the way I should have, like when I first had this opportunity. And it's just a kind of a little moment. And, I, and we talk to people in our industry and you guys have some great speakers here. There's so many people in our jobs that get jaded. It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I got to go out to college game day this week. And, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I'm like, if you ever lose that, like just wait until you lose that opportunity. And it, it, it can crush you. And so, yeah, it's just it's a dream job. And, I, you know, like I said, that's, that's why you see me jumping up and down every time LSU <laughs> does something. I'm like, man, I'm going to have as much fun until they uh, you know, tell me not to do it any longer. You know, you mentioned uh, uh, your dad. This was, this was the quote that, uh, that you posted. And if you could, uh, show a photo number 30, Matt. Um, this is your dad and your mom, who was of Cuban descent. And there's that mustache, by the way. My dad the was the original right Ron there. Burgundy. Look at that. Okay. Uh, but a really interesting deal. So this is what you posted that Sam Pittman saw. You said, uh, I don't know who my father is, but I know who my dad is. Says that he's the man that adopted me and chose to love me unconditionally before he ever met me and he changed my life forever. Damn you, Dave. <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about Arkansas and the secondary and stuff like that. I mean, um, you know, it, it, 
it's one of those moments too is like my biological mother was 15 when she had me doesn't know the father in in and so my i was adopted at seven days old and so to me this was this is my family this is who who i am these these are my people and my dad's cajun my mom's cuba uh cuban my brother's half brazilian my sister's 100 percent south korean and so we're like the little United Nations anytime that we go anywhere. They're like, that's your sister? They're like, uh-huh, sure, right. And it just goes to show you about like you know, this family fabric that you can build. And I, I'll vividly remember like when you asked me to come over here and speak, I, I told my dad because he was like, I, since the pandemic, I'm a huge golfer. And I take Tuesdays and Thursdays off my SiriusXM show to play golf with my dad, um, my best friend, right? And I texted him and I said, hey man, I can't play on Tuesday because I'm going to Little Rock to speak. And he goes, people want to hear you speak? <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thanks. And um, yeah, so it's just, you know, one of those moments that we have. And, and I think when we talk about it, it just means more. Like I grew up, my father was a cancer survivor, so he didn't graduate college at LSU until I was around eight years old. So I grew up going to every single sporting event, baseball, watching Dale, uh, you know, watching Skip Burtman and, and Dale Brown coach basketball with um, Chris Jackson and Shaquille O'Neal and Ricky Blanton and all those guys and, and, um, and football. And so I would go to every single game in the student section. So that's why I became such an LSU fan. That's why I curse and drink extremely well as well, too, is having those your, your dad did tell you, you said, son, don't repeat what you hear in the stadium, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, I've done, I feel like I've done a pretty decent job of that, you know, now that I've gone into this broadcasting world. However, I do have to blame Arkansas football for the most trouble I've ever gotten in my, in my family. 2007, okay, LSU ranked number one. You guys, of course, know what happened. It was Felix Jones, Darren McFadden, all of it. And my dad said, you know what, your mom, you're home for Thanksgiving, take your mom to a game. I said, absolutely. I was like, it's, it's Arkansas. We're the number one team in the country. We're good, right? Well, fourth and 19, the band's playing neck. Everybody's going crazy. I'm like, mom, this is what it's all about. And my mom, this little Cuban lady, goes, Peter, this is so much fun. You know, I was like, yeah, you know, you're my good luck charm. Well, obviously, triple overtime happens, and it's the most gut-wrenching loss. Because that's the days of BCS. Like, it's done. You have no chance. Like, the whole season, everything you wanted is gone after that. And we're walking out of the stadium, and my mom's like, Peter, it's okay. You guys will win the next game. <laughs> I turned to my mom. Shut up. <laughs> Buddy, the look that I got from my mom... And I knew I had made a mistake. You know, like when you make one of those mistakes and you're just like, oh, no. That was, it was just like I saw the words come out of my mouth and I wanted to grab them. And, uh, and I had to apologize. And my dad, like later on that day, he's like, what, you want to talk about it? <laughs> nope. He's like, so I never told him. So thank you, Arkansas, for telling me. About, you know, making me. It's your fault, not mine. Not for mine. the, uh, speaking of family, one thing that uh, Peter does, he includes his family in, you know, a lot of social media, even I, I imagine on the show. Uh, put up a, a shot number 20 there, Matt. And um, this is the family shot of, of your wife and your two kids. There you go. And uh, obviously beautiful kid, kiddos right there. Let's show the next one what happens. Obviously you lost a bet. And there you are having to wear your wife is a big Bama fan. Uh, this is what I think is amazing, the two kids. Next photo, Matt. This is crazy. Both of those kids were born on Halloween. 
What are the odds of that? How many years apart? Naturally, too, two years to the day. So when we found out uh, over on the left-hand side, you know, my daughter, Bo, um, you know, we found out, you know, October 20th was going to be the original due date. And she's taken forever, forever, forever. And finally, and I was like, oh, I want a Halloween baby so bad. This would be so cool. And sure enough, boom, end up having a Halloween baby. And then when we find out that we're pregnant the second time, they give us a due date of Halloween. We're like, well, there's no way we're going to have two Halloween babies. That's just nuts, right? And sure enough, we ended up having two <laughs> Halloween babies, which is, I think, the coolest thing uh, in the history of the world. And it also goes to show you that I work seven days a week during football season. And so right after football season, it's January, and we go on vacation. I was like, we're going on no more vacations in January. I was like, we got two, we got a boy and a girl, and we are all good at that. A few more pictures, Matt. Just go through those next ones. Obviously, they're super cute. Uh, one more. This little boy. Oh, this is this was you missing the carpool, right? That this is what happens. This is the real life of, of Peter Burns. Man, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's bright-eyed Bushdales, and social media is all about sharing, you know, the best parts of your life. I was like, no, I always share these moments because. All know, right. Well, this... listen, Peter Burns, amazing, and these photos are just as cute as they can be, but didn't play exactly that great on radio. Let's just be honest. So we'll take our time out. We'll come back and wrap things up here at the Little Rock Touchdown Club. 